Holy Spirit come by means of the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, thy well-beloved spouse, and the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. A few days ago, I happened to read an article about Dr. Jerome Lejeune. If you've never heard of him, Dr. Lejeune was a world-renowned geneticist from France. In 1959, he discovered the genetic cause of Down syndrome, which results in mental and sometimes physical handicaps. When he saw under a microscope a third little mark on the 21st chromosome, that's why it's called trisomy 21. Unfortunately, his discovery was used to search out and destroy by genetic testing before birth children with Down syndrome, so that pregnancy could be terminated before the child was born. And this is the reason why we don't see many Down syndrome children or adults around today, because their lives were unjustly ended before they were born. This is very sad because there are varying degrees of Down syndrome, some very slight or some more severe. And regardless of the degree of the handicap, individuals with Down syndrome are very loving, very affectionate. They're incapable of hating. All they can do is love. But they require our time and attention, so they're a burden on people, at least considered so. It greatly pained Dr. Lejeune to know that his discovery was later used for this purpose. And until his death in 1994, he spent the rest of his life trying to discover ways in which Down syndrome could be cured, even while the trial was still in the womb. I had the great pleasure of meeting Dr. Lejeune in about 1990. I was a seminarian at the time, my last year of the seminary. He gave an address at a Human Life International Conference I attended. And I have to say that Dr. Lejeune was probably the most brilliant person I have ever encountered, and one of the most holy. I remember his talk. He spoke about the relationship <clears throat> between genetic research and the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. I recall him apologizing at the beginning of his talk that he kind of threw this together the night before because he had come from France on a plane and with travel he didn't have a lot of time to prepare. Uh, I could have spent a year and I couldn't have prepared a talk like his. Uh, I had just been studying the seminary, St. Thomas Aquinas, and his masterful treatment of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. I, I thought I knew the topic pretty well, but I was in utter awe at Dr. Lejeune's talk, how he related the principles of the science of genetics with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. His talk was utterly brilliant, and it demonstrated that Dr. Lejeune was not only an expert in genetics, but he had a very deep grasp of theology as well, much better than I. But even more than his intellectual grasp of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I could tell by listening to him that he had interiorized the gifts of the Spirit, as St. Paul mentions today in our epistle. And I knew that I was in the presence of a man who was not only a genius, but who was a saint as well. What I recall most of all was his deep humility, so obvious foundation of true sanctity. I wasn't surprised to learn that just a few years ago, 
his cause for canonization began. Hopefully he'll be a saint one day, I'm praying for that. In his address to us in 1990, Dr. Lejeune shared with us that in the previous year, 1989, he had flown to the U.S. to Maryville, Tennessee, to testify as an expert witness in a rather famous court case. Maybe you've never heard of it. It's called Davis versus Davis. You can Google it. Um, and the case concerned a young couple who had divorced but were battling for custody of seven frozen embryos, which they conceived by in vitro fertilization. The wife and the mother wanted custody of the embryo, she, so she could later give birth to them. But her husband and the father of these human beings in their embryonic state, who were his pre-born children, he wanted custody so that the embryos could eventually be destroyed. Dr. Lejeune told us that his testimony persuaded the judge in the case that these embryos in question were truly human beings at the very beginning of their lives, and that these embryos contained all the genetic information that they would ever have and need, and that if allowed to live and implanted in the womb of their mother, they would one day grow to infancy, to childhood, and into adulthood. The judge was persuaded and awarded custody to the mother. And he said this, Mr. and Mrs. Davis had produced human beings in vitro to be known as their child or children. Unfortunately, an appellate court reversed his decision. Well, one can obtain the transcript of the trial online under the title, What's in the Fridge? Jerome Lejeune's Expert testimony. And the article talked about a new DVD about his life's work, which I've ordered. Maybe I'll show it for the parish. The court battle in the Davis case resulted from another more fundamental moral issue, the artificial separation of the unitive and procreative aspects of marital love. Another way of saying this, the artificial separation of love and life. As human beings, we're made in God's image and likeness, which means we must act like God and love as He loves. In God, love and life are inseparable. St. John tells us that God is love, and God's love is always fruitful and life-giving. This truth is seen if we look at the inner life of the Trinity itself. From all eternity, God the Father begets His Son, the Word, and between the Father and the Son from all eternity, there is a love that has flowed, so perfect that it too is a person, the Holy Spirit, who in theology is called the fruit of the Trinity, the fruit of the Father and the Son's mutual love. And love is always unitive. In God, that fruitful love has for all eternity united the three divine persons in a deep bond of love. There's only one God with three persons. This is the central mystery of our faith. And in God's plan for love, life, marriage, and the family, human spousal love is intended to image, reflect divine love. It is intended to unite the spouses. But even more importantly, the marriage act is designed by God to be always potentially fruitful and life-giving. The creation of a new human being is the ultimate purpose of marriage and love. 
same-sex marriage is a fallacy because it doesn't have an end purpose in the production of a new human life. Well, this truth about love and life is reflected in Genesis where God says, first command to the human race, first blessing as well, be fertile and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. The church has always taught this truth. In 1968, in response to the sexual revolution, which was fueled in part by the invention of the birth control pill, Pope Paul VI issued his famous encyclical, Humane Vitae, the transmission of human life, in which he infallibly taught that there is, and I quote him here, an inseparable connection established by God, which man, in his own initiative, may not break between the unitive significance and the procreative significance which are both inherent to the marriage act. In fact, Humani Vitae was promulgated on July 25th, his anniversary is tomorrow. Pope Paul VI now, blessed Paul VI, his encyclical was prophetic. On the one hand, he taught that contraception sterilization is inherently immoral because it intentionally separates and excludes appropriative or life-giving aspect of the marital act from the unitive or love-giving aspect and thereby renders the marital act willingly lifeless. Intentionally lifeless sex is godless sex. And in God's plan, the marital act is intended to be a participation in divine love. Therefore, it is intended to be holy Rest are usually frozen. 
In fact, today in this country, there are tens of thousands of human beings in the embryonic state who are frozen. Sometimes these stem cells are destroyed, when people don't want them, which is really an abortion in the early stage, or stem cells are withdrawn from embryos for experimentation, which kills the new human life. Research is now being done so that couples, through in vitro methods and genetic manipulation of embryos, can design their own offspring with certain traits and characteristics, blue eyes, brown hair, intelligence, designer babies. These are the modern-day Dr. Frankensteins. Well, in this age of moral confusion and really carelessness regarding the laws of God, we must remind ourselves that all of us began our human lives as embryos. In fact, a couple of feasts in the church recognize this. The Immaculate Conception. Mary, the person of Mary, was conceived, immaculate, and the Incarnation, March 25th. The Son of God became man. He started his human life, Jesus did, as an embryo. Well, to freeze human beings in their embryonic state is a grave injustice. To destroy them, or to kill them, by manipulating their genes or extracting stem cells from them is murder. The Catholic Church, infallibly guided by the Holy Spirit, makes it clear that creating human life outside of the merit of grace, whether it be in vitro fertilization or cloning, because that's probably going to come about soon one day, is a grave moral evil. Let us pray that those in the fields of medicine, science, our lawmakers, and husbands and wives may look to the church as a light and a guide regarding the transmission of human life, and that all in our society may come to acknowledge that human life is a gift from God, and that every life, from conception until natural death, has inherent dignity in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.